Hello and welcome once again to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk all things transportation. I'm the transportation reporter and the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters asking the eternal question, if you pay enough to own a Tesla but you can't pay enough to clean it every two months, do you actually have the money to afford a Tesla? No. (laughs) You don't? Why do you care if somebody has a dirty Tesla? I just got cut off by a dirty Tesla who almost crashed into three people in a car on the wrong way on Broadway, so I'm a little fired up about it right now. Oh, okay. But what if they had a clean Tesla? Would you be less offended? Yes, they would be able to afford the Tesla because they can also afford the maintenance. Car wash is like required maintenance on a Tesla, man. Okay. It should be on your car, too. Well, I mean, my car is really dirty. But then again, we're expecting snow on Monday, too, or whatever. We've had, you know. A typical uh, Colorado, like, oh, I don't need to get my car washed. It's going to rain in seven weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Later in the show, we're going to start a segment that I'm going to call Talking Traffic. Yes. Well, it's I don't really have a better name for it. No, that's good enough. Is that okay? Yeah, it's good enough. I mean, because that's really what we're going to be doing. We're going to be Talking Traffic, and it's uh, where we're going to call up a traffic anchor from around the country, and we're going to talk to that person about the traffic and the transportation issues in their town. I, I think it's a brilliant idea. I floated it last week, and uh, boom, we're going to be doing it, starting it this week. And we're going to get to know these people and find out why they want to do traffic and why uh, and what the traffic issues are uh, going on in their cities. And each city, I think, is a little bit different. And so this week, we're going to start in the Midwest. We're going to start in the Motown, because why not start where Henry Ford started, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. My hometown of Detroit, Michigan. We're going to go to WXYZ Television in Detroit. Coming up, Anne-Marie LaFlame will be with us here on the show. And Anne-Marie has been at WXYZ for about five years or so. So she's saying a lot of changes mm-hmm, there in Detroit mm-hmm. um, as they have really, I think, come down from a, from a bottom. They, they have... Bottom out, I think. Yes. I mean, more so than the rest of the country. We all kind of bottomed out at the same time, but Detroit was hit especially hard. Oh, yeah. And and, and there was uh, exodus from the city. Very few people were living downtown. There are more businesses and more developments going on in Detroit. At one point, the city was basically giving away property. If you would pay the property tax for that property, they would basically give it to you mm-hmm. just so they can get some property tax revenue and, and have somebody who wants to own the property. Um I don't think they're doing that program anymore, but but it was really, really bad. But now there's more development there, so they're seeing more traffic and more growth, and so obviously the traffic patterns are changing. And we'll talk to uh, Anne-Marie about transit and traffic and all about Anne-Marie. We'll, t- uh, we'll see what's going on there in Detroit. It's coming up in just a bit. should be a great segment going forward, I think. It's going to be a beautiful thing. All right, so a 62-year-old man in Arizona... He was cited last week after trying to disguise a fake skeleton as a passenger just to use the HOV lanes. <laughs> Yay! Good job, sir. There you have it. Uh, the Arizona Department of Public Safety says a trooper pulled over the man after noticing the passenger didn't look quite right. Looked a little skinny. little bony, you might say. A little bony. Found the man had placed a fake skeleton in the passenger's front seat. The skeleton was sitting upright. It was wearing a hat because you wouldn't want just a bald-headed skeleton. Of course not. Uh, and it had uh, been tied to the front seat. Not with a seat belt, I don't believe, but just, just tied to the front seat <laughs> so it wouldn't fall over. A DOT 
spokesperson said that troopers have cited about 7,000 HOV lane violators in Arizona, and they do that about every year. Last April, a man was pulled over after driving in the HOV lane in Arizona with a mannequin wearing a sweatshirt, baseball cap, and sunglasses. See, the mannequin makes more sense, though, right? Because at least that's all filled out, and that looks like a human being. A skeleton is just a skeleton. Maybe it was a cloudy day, and they could tell that it was a person, well, mannequin wearing sunglasses, and that's how it was. The cops got tipped off. How many times do you think old Skeleton Boy got away with this before somebody was like, I think that might not be a person? Yeah, Uh, I'm sure he uh, is probably a lot more savings in tolls than what the fine was for having the skeleton in the passenger seat. Do you think he feels that way, or do you think he will actually cease his behavior? No, no, no. I think he's going to find a way to make the skeleton look even more realistic and real life-like. He's going to go back to the drawing board, and this is just going to be inspiration to make a better-looking skeleton passenger. All I can picture is Wile E. Coyote in his cave, scheming (laughs) ways to get through the HOV lane. Acme is uh, ready to deliver another one. All right, so here's a story that Oscar Mayer will not relish. <laughs> Just a couple of dads, man. A deputy with the Waukesha County Sheriff's Office pulled over one of the Oscar Mayer Wiener mobiles for a traffic violation. The deputy had to grill the driver oh boy. of the Wiener mobile about Wisconsin's move over law which requires drivers to move over a lane when there's an emergency vehicle at the scene of a problem with their lights on. You have to move over, whether it's a tow truck or a service vehicle or obviously a first responder. It's like that here in Colorado. I think it's like that in most states. I think most states have the move over law. Mm-hmm. So when the deputy saw that the driver of the Wienermobile wasn't pulling over, wasn't moving over, they stopped the 27 foot sausage shaped vehicle and according to the county sheriff's office the driver was just let off the hook with just a verbal warning seriously don't do that go on i'm thinking that this guy in the in the wiener mobile he maybe it was hard to change lanes easily i mean it's a almost a 30 foot vehicle (laughs) i was gonna say maybe it's hard to change lanes easily when you're driving a giant hot dog vehicle i think it's a little difficult right i've seen the Wienermobile. One of them. There are several of them. I think there's a half a dozen of them. I, th- that I thought travel there were around, more than that. Travel around the country. Mm-hmm. And they drive them around and they show them off. And I saw one at my local grocery store <laughs> really? a few months back. Well yeah. done. Looked inside. It was, uh, it was okay. They have... They have some for show and they have some for just the outside is the show. Listen, uh, all I'm going to say is we can cover the Wienermobile driver getting a ticket, and that's fine. But you know what we're not covering right now is the Wienermobile getting in a crash. And you know what we never cover? Wienermobile crashes. Well, to, to speak of that, there were actually several incidents in Wisconsin about the Wienermobile getting into crashes. Well, go figure. Why don't we ever cover the Wienermobile crashes? Fake news, Jason. I don't think it happens as often as we would like. If it happened several times in the span of a year, I think that's plenty of times, right? All right, looking this up. All right, there was February 2015. Uh, the driver of a Wienermobile slid off the road and crashed into a pole. Uh, that was in Enola, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, they severely damaged the front of the vehicle. Okay. Uh, there was a time when one of them crashed into a home and an outdoor deck <laughs> in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. Apparently, the Wiener was lodged halfway into the house. How are there not pictures of that? 
Police said the driver was trying to turn the lumbering vehicle around a tight quarter and lurch forward. And the driver, thinking the vehicle was in reverse, it wasn't. And into the house. <laughs> so there, there's two instances right there. Okay. I stand corrected. All right. But, you know, we can only hope for more wiener crashes. All right. So there's this guy in Trenton, New Jersey. I want to get your take on this one. He has a motorcycle. He thought it would be cool, his words, to put his license plate on his motorcycle upside down. Oh. So he did. He mounted his license plate on the back of the motorcycle upside down, not right side up. Mm. So he drove around like that, thinking it was cool. As it turns out, the police don't think it's cool to put your license plate upside down on your motorcycle. And it's a bad thing to do so. So when police saw it, they pulled him over. Mm. Eh, It's pretty natural. You would think that, right? He said to the officer... Uh, I like the way the plate looks. It looked, quote, different. Well, yeah, of course, because it's upside down. Obviously, he was given a ticket for it. He decided then, because that wasn't enough, he decided to fight the ticket in court, and he lost. (laughs) He was ordered to pay a $106 fine and the $33 in court costs after being found guilty of violating the state law in New Jersey mandating that license plates be kept clear and distinct. Not done yet. Of course not. He appealed that decision, arguing that the law didn't prohibit an upside-down license plate on a motorcycle because lawmakers drew a distinction between motorcycle and automobile plates. So he's looking at the specific law and trying to figure out if there is a loophole in there. Yes, a, the classic case of, I don't want to admit that I'm wrong, so how can I make myself right? He claimed the law was unconstitutionally vague. Is it vague if you're the only person who doesn't understand it? It's vague to him. I guess. So he lost that appeal as well. Amazing. The appellate court ruled that an upside-down license plate on any type of vehicle causes the reader to view the characters in reverse order, which would then lead to confusion, doubt, and mistake. That would clearly impede law enforcement's ability to perform its duties. The judge also said lawmakers did not intend for drivers to mount their license plates upside down because it would impact the law enforcement's uh, ability to protect the public on the roadways. It's a shame that we had to clarify that and spend our time clarifying that when the rest of us knew that. Yeah. We knew that you should just put it on the way that it was intended to be put on, not because it looks cool or uncool, but because we need to identify you and we need to make sure that it's you in that vehicle. I think we might. And it, you're supposed to license the vehicle so you so you know if there's an incident right. of some sort, it can be identified. Again. You can pay the tax for the use of the roads and the infrastructure. All of these things that everybody else knew and this guy chose not to pay attention to. He just didn't want to pay the hundred and whatever dollar fine. It's no. like when I was in college and I uh, was pulled over for speeding, I think on my motorcycle no less. Mm. And uh, the, the fine wasn't very much. It was, I don't know, $40 or $50. But for a starving college kid, I didn't want to pay it. And I heard through the grapevine that if I go to court 
And I asked the judge, I'd like to uh, pay off my fine by, by serving my time in jail. Mm. That I could just spend like a day in jail, and that's basically the same as paying the fine. And I would, I would be able to keep my money. And I wasn't doing anything that weekend, so I was okay with just spending, spending the night in jail, getting three hots and a cot, and it would have been fine. I would have been happy with that. So I go up to the, uh, to the court, and I'm standing in front of the judge. And he says, yes, sir, I, I, I did that. I, I plead guilty, but I, I would like to, if I can, spend the night in jail. And he goes, nope, pay the fine, get out. <laughs> Good. Good. So we don't need you mooching off our system and eating our three hots and a cot, Jason. My taxes do not need to go into your stomach. And I was hoping that I was going to make money out of the deal. Terrible. Just terrible. Dateline Montpelier, Vermont. It's Montpelier. You would know you're from there. <laughs> A bill in the Vermont legislature would take vanity license plates into a whole new territory with the introduction of emojis. You also keyed in on this story. I mean, it's the worst idea of all time. No, it's It's, not. It is not. We're going to differ on this, and it'll be a good debate. Can't wait. So State Representative Rebecca White, she introduced the proposal to let drivers add one of six available emojis to their license plate. The symbols would not replace letters or the numbers on the license plate. You would just add the emoji to the end of your license plate. At this point, it was unclear whether Miss White knew which of the emojis she would want to have allowed on the license plate. Probably not the poop emoji, though. No, I think you definitely want that one. That's the one everybody is going to want. Well, you could just claim that it's chocolate soft serve. Well, it is just chocolate soft serve, right? <laughs> I thought we agreed on that a long time <laughs> oh, ago. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Queensland, Australia was the first place in the world to allow emojis on license plates. They charge $336 to do so. Why not? Why not allow to have an emoji on your license plate and be charged for it? Why not let your favorite sports team have a emblem of your favorite sports team, let's say you are in well, Montpelier, and have the uh, your, your loved, your, your beloved... Patriots, they have go. their logo on your license plate. Well, I mean, like, we already do that, right? And, I, and that's where I read the internet wrong and didn't realize that that was what we were essentially doing with the emoji place, right? Because I'm sure the money is going to, like, the Vermont Veterans Fund or something similar it, because it's not replacing any of the letters, right? We're not using right. the emoji to replace a character. It's essentially a vanity skin for your plate that involves using one of six emoji. Why not having your favorite college team? But we do. Why look not at, have look it? at all the vanity plates we have in Colorado. I think there's, what, like 112 different vanity plates? And they almost had to get rid of the Nuggets and the Avalanche plates because nobody wanted the damn things? Yes, but those are different than a vanity plate. that you're Because you can have the vanity plate that has a specific cause to it. Yep. Save the trout or the Columbine fund, as, as we have. the, the uh, I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. They have a lot of these license plates that then charge an extra... 25 50 75 dollars to then that money goes to the pueblo chili yep people yes because you can get the pueblo chili plate and the poop emoji will go toward but that's different but if i just want the regular let's say colorado green and white mountain license plate and i want to add my little smiley face emoji to it why can't i if it's gonna take uh let's say a hundred dollars and then that money goes to fixing my road sure sure why not why not I think it's a colossal waste of your money, 
putting an emoji on your license plate. But what if I was allowed to then, let's say, put a picture of my child on there? What if I could put do my you two really daughters do that? on the on the on my license do you plate? Really? Why not? Do that? Maybe there's some jackball that wants to. Maybe not necessarily me, because well, no, it's my wife. She would never allow me to do that. However, let's say I wanted to put idea. a picture of my cat, <laughs> or a picture of a <laughs> a picture of my pet. I had a great fish. Why couldn't I put a picture of Dorothy, my goldfish, right there on my license plate? If it's going to cost only me money and the money's going to go to something good, why not? I totally support this. You should put your fish on your license plate. And I, I feel like the state should, anybody who wants to pay $6,000, you can put a picture of whatever you want on your front license plate. Yeah. But whatever you want within right. reason, right? Exactly. So why just, not? Just have a board of uh, professionals that would approve or not approve any of the uh, pictures or designs or whatever that would go on your plate. Yep, and that's going to be $6,000, Jason. But I could imagine that the only problem... There's no problems here. Oh, what what if you are, uh, let's say, on the Denver Police Department, and you're pulling somebody over, and uh, you have to call into dispatch, and you call into dispatch, and you go, uh, could you look up this plate for me? Uh, let's go Tango Foxtrot. 420, uh, blinking emoji. Could you look up this plate for It has, I think, a picture of a goldfish on it. Uh, dispatch, I'm going to pull this guy over. He has a Patriot sticker on the back mm-hmm. of his license plate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that obviously doesn't belong here in Denver. Mm-hmm. That's what I could see being a minor issue. Uh, right. Don't we have standards? I don't think it's a bad thing to allow personalization to your license plate that then that money can go to something good. I would like to have a vote of where the money would go to, not to just some rando program. I think the other thing that we need to keep in mind is that Vermont is totally the wrong state to be doing this because everybody there is over 65. I doubt that the majority of people in that state even know what an emoji is. (laughs) So I don't know that this is going to get a lot of traction in that state particularly. Does Vermont have its own emoji? What would it be? The Vermont emoji? Maple syrup. Is there a stack of pancakes with maple syrup on an emoji? (laughs) Because that is the Vermont emoji. That's what it should be. Maybe that should be the uh, official. So you have your license plate. With a stack of pancakes on it. D-E-N-1-2-3 with a stack of pancakes. Wonderful. Wonderful. What would your emoji be? Uh, dude, that's the end of society, man. Like, what are we doing? Den, one, two, three, stack of pancakes? Yes. You're, you're, we're going to radio that in now? <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, we've got a license plate with a stack of pancakes. We're going to need uh, we're gonna need backup on this one. Stack of pancakes. <laughs> perfect. Well, I think it's a perfect transition to go from this into talking traffic. Because now it's time for our new segment here on the show that we're going to start calling Talking Traffic. Uh, It's the best name I could uh, come up with on short notice before I change it to something else even worse. Uh, Talking Traffic is when we hook up with a traffic anchor from around the country and see what the big transportation issues are in their town. Today, for the inaugural segment, we've invited Anne-Marie LaFlame, the traffic anchor and news anchor for WXYZ-TV in Detroit, Michigan, my birthplace, to be here on the show. Anne-Marie, thank you for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. You are an absolute legend in the traffic world. So I am honored to even be talking to you right now. Wow, that is high praise, Anne Marie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will set that, I think, as my ringtone. Uh, before <laughs> Now, before we talk traffic and traffic issues in Detroit, uh, tell us a bit about Anne Marie. How did you get started talking traffic for WXYZ TV? Well, like you, born and raised here, so we're practically family, right, from the Motor City. Right. And I went to Central Michigan University, fire up chips. My career took me all around Michigan, and then I was able to come home and do this job with traffic. So I've been an evening anchor, breaking news reporter, all of the above. And, I mean, I'm from here. I know the roads here, and it was just a great fit to come home. I love being a part of the morning show, too. It's great to wake up with people and genuinely have something to contribute to their day. But it is hard to wake up. I know this because I get up at 2.15, so what time do you usually get up? All right, so my I'll tell you, my alarm is set for 1.45, but I'm a chronic snoozer, so <laughs> I, I try to get my, my butt out of bed by 2. That's always the goal. Do you like reporting on the traffic i do it's so fun and it's always changing you know and every day is not the same and then we're the motor city the people who are on the roads are making these cars so it's i think there's an extra connection when it comes to just transportation and the morning drive you know it's not typically a city where people have short drives it's a big metropolitan area so the commute's hefty and it's a huge part of people's day you know they plan everything around it right and it really is a way to impact somebody's day in in a i think a hopefully a positive way to to get them to where they need to go you think about it, what's a bigger inconvenience than being late, being stuck somewhere, whether you're trying to get to work yourself, get your kids to school. It's a, a real tangible thing that we can do to help people. And when I'm out at the grocery store and people say kind things like, thank you for helping me get to work safely. I feel like on the day to day, we, we crunch numbers and we look at traffic flows. We don't even think about the safety portion of it. Right. But that's genuinely what we want. You know, we talk about things in the road. We talk about potholes. I mean, we have a lot of those here in Michigan. Oh, yeah, exactly. Road deterioration is really prevalent there. I'm speaking with Anne-Marie Laflame, the traffic anchor and news reporter and news anchor for WXYZ-TV in Detroit. Talk about some of the road issues that we've seen in not only Detroit, but in Michigan, the road repair. I've read a lot of stories how cities have let their roads just fall apart, basically, and, and to the point where some of the residents are so upset that they will take it on pound themselves to fill the potholes. Oh, my gosh. We've seen it all. We've seen people filling potholes with water, putting beach chairs in them, pretending, you know, like it is their beach because they're so large. We've seen people grow tomatoes in <laughs> potholes. We've seen kids putting, you know, different things to try to fill the potholes themselves. So it's it's definitely not a secret that there's road deterioration. And I think the Michigan Department of Transportation here, they continuously say it's either we put a lot of money into completely redoing these roads or this is just Band-Aid after Band-Aid. And you see that on a lot of the roads, right? We see a lot of patching in the right lane and then you see a lot of potholes still in the left lane. Uh, we have a governor who was elected with the slogan, fix the damn roads. So... It's something that everybody talks about all the time. It's, it's definitely top of mind. 
So do they need MDOT? Does it need more money? Are they trying to find new revenue sources? How are they going to fix the roads? That's what it always comes down to. Of course, it's it's revenue. And they're trying to make plans for that and move forward. Of course, the weather impacts that in another way, another facet. Not only is our freeze-thaw cycle constantly creating new problems, but it also inhibits them from being able to fix the problems they're working to. So that narrows things down as well. It's it's a vicious cycle when it comes to that. And then the funding is every project, every time we do a story on what's planned. I just did the big projects for 2020 and it they, they added the caveat, this is of course all based on getting the appropriate funding. I'm speaking with Anne-Marie Laflame, the traffic anchor for WXYZ TV in Detroit. You just mentioned some of the big issues there. What are some of those issues that you've been covering there in Detroit? When it comes to the roads and the potholes, you know, it's the transportation and it's the constant condition of the roads, right? It's not only the condition of the roads, but as they're working to repair them, if you have one lane closed on a major thoroughfare, that's going to cause major backups. So not only are people coming to be angry that they have a blown out tire, they're also adding another 20 minutes to their drive. So it's it's tough, but it also makes the job fun and interesting, right? Yeah. Every day is, well, we've got these lane closures. So I have to take it upon myself to figure out a way to help people go one way, but also not everyone go in the <laughs> alternate way because if the main road's not built for that, the side roads aren't going to be either. Obviously, Detroit has seen, I think, its bottom. And so there has been a lot of revitalization in the city, especially the downtown core, and it is starting to come back. So have you seen traffic coming back to the city? Have you seen the increase as it looks better economically? You know, I'm the, the daughter and a granddaughter of automotive workers who worked their whole lives, blood, sweat, and tears into this city and being from here and seeing uh, where we've been and where we're going. It is, I've never been more proud of this city and the people here because there is just nothing like the character of people who have bottled out, like you said, and have found a way to come back. You know, so absolutely the the congestion and the traffic heading downtown, that is where a large portion of people go in the morning. And then in the afternoon, a large portion of people are heading in the other direction, you know, throughout the surrounding areas. So it's definitely not a place growing up. People were working downtown. People were going downtown just to visit. But the middle of Detroit, the center of the city. I mean, that is where the big corporations are, the big businesses. So there's a lot of people heading downtown there every day. And I, I could tell you this from when I was a kid, I was always afraid of heights. And and the Renaissance Center, the Rensen was was the, the tallest tower there in Detroit when I was growing up. And to get to that, I believe it's a restaurant at the top of there, they have this elevator that's on not quite the outside, but it's it's encased in glass where it's basically on the outside where you can see everything out from the elevator. And it would freak me out so bad that we'd be going up the elevator and I'd be holding on to my parents' legs just because <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different aside from where I want to go here, uh, Anne-Marie. But, you know, it's, I just thought I'd share that with you. Well, they have a new restaurant that they just opened 
at the top of the Rensen. So you got to bring your family back and I'll show you Detroit. And I would love to show you everything that's changed and grown from growing up here because the city is just amazing right now. Big things are happening here. Well, and I remember the people mover. It was that silly and it's still going, right? It's still this silly little, like a a one track thing. Yeah. Transporter people around just basically between the casino and downtown and, and the ballpark. And it's just, it's really silly. But what, what about future plans for a larger transit system for Detroit besides just the buses? Is there plans for uh, trains or any other big transit issues? All right. Well, the people mover is a quarter and it is something that is funny when I have friends from out of town, when you say like, what are we going to take? And you say the people mover, you don't think about how literal that is. They're like, what, what's actually moving the people? So that's always comical, but you know, iconic in the past two years, they've added what's called the Q line. And that's another um, way of getting around the city. And that's more downtown. Of course, there's D dot buses and they're continuously working to expand that. But the mass transit has been a huge conversation in Detroit and not just in the city, but also getting people from the suburbs to the city and back Uh, a few years ago, we lost a bid to have an Amazon headquarters here. And that was a large reason as to why they said, you don't have the mass transit to move all of these people here. So it's definitely top of mind. It's definitely a conversation. I know that the federal government was here about six months ago, working to invest money and putting something into the metro detroit area but i think it's definitely needed um especially when you look at how large geographically this metropolitan area is and how far people travel i mean a 30 to 45 minute drive is very normal very typical for a metro detroiter heading to work and back every day and there are a lot of people that that go between let's say Ann Arbor and Detroit which is even farther out because there are new new jobs there in Detroit not that Ann Arbor isn't a growing town as well but there are people that like to live in some of those outlying areas and get into the city absolutely there was actually just a few weeks ago that was a proposal that this city has put out there they were going to have a bus that's twelve dollars each way from Detroit to Ann Arbor every day in order to try to grow that because um, they're both great cities. They're both very different. And I think, like you said, they're far enough apart where it's not something that people may even see as tangible on the day to day. But with a mass transit, it could. It could bring more people to both cities. Speaking with Anne Marie LaFlame, the traffic anchor for WXYZ TV in Detroit, about traffic issues there in the Motor City. You are in the heart of auto manufacturing there for the United States. And I'm sure that you've gone to the Detroit Auto Show. I've gone to the Detroit Auto Show. What's coming out of Detroit when it comes to new cool stuff and uh, autonomous technology? It seems like that is where there are a lot of focus there with the uh, automakers. Yeah, we're so excited. Uh, Like the autonomous vehicles and the electric vehicles, such a focus for the big three, for General Motors and Chrysler here. They are redoing an old railroad station right in the heart of Detroit. That's Ford to work on electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. And they just announced this past week General Motors reopening the Detroit Hamtramck assembly plant, which was a huge employer. And they're going to focus on the future as well. So when you talk about the future of the Motor City, it's really exciting to think that we're right on the forefront and the people who are here are making the cars and they're the ones that are driving the roads and 
really changing the way we operate day to day. I mean, you think about where we do traffic, we have single people in cars, but the future is going to be a bunch of people in one car, just moving from place to place. And, you know, is it going to be obsolete? Our jobs and are these vehicles just going to know the best route themselves and you don't even have to think about it? Well, my job is going to be obsolete because I'm getting too old to do this, Anne-Marie. <laughs> no, no, you are the best. You are so iconic in this business. That part will never go away. Well, thank you for that. Tell me a little bit about this Getting Around Metro Detroit Facebook group, if you would. Uh, we, ha- we have a Facebook group here in Colorado uh, we do for Denver 7 that talks about our Colorado and pictures and images and videos of what's going on, the beauty of our state. But it, with, uh, with your station, it's this really neat group about getting around Metro Detroit and, and how people are doing it and uh, how they're surviving the drive. It was a real initiative by the station in order to give people a voice of their own because we spend so much time telling them about the projects and about the initiatives and the funding lacks. And we want to hear from them and we want people to have like a real safe space where they can share things, their thoughts, their feelings, and the problems that they see so we can actually address them. So we have branded our stories getting around Metro Detroit and people know kind of when they see the icon of the stinger, what it means, where it comes from. And it keeps everybody up to speed. If that's something you want to know about or something you think we should be taking action on it's a great opportunity to connect with people and you know being the traffic anchor there it's fantastic because I get so much feedback and I can't be looking at every camera all the time so when people want to let me know it's just another way for us to connect and kind of all chip in and help each other and traffic is not all you do you also host a series of stories of Michigan's most wanted criminals how'd you get into that I started that when I worked on the west side of the state, working with the U.S. Marshals. And when I came to Detroit, it was an awesome way to connect with law enforcement and really try to work to establish the the trust and the foundation between the media, law enforcement, and then people at home. And we've featured people who are federally wanted and have federal warrants and we've captured more than 100 fugitives based solely on viewers calling in and, and telling police where they see this person or where they know this person to be. So it's given people a way to feel like they're contributing and they have a voice and that law enforcement cares and that media cares. And it sounds a bit cliche, but when we all work together, we really actually can make a difference, right? We can work for the greater good. Uh, so it's been really incredible. It's been a great experience. No, it's it's great work, and it's a great series. Is is traffic something you want to keep doing? Would you rather move to anchoring? Would you rather maybe just keep doing your Michigan Most Wanted Criminals? What's so great about this business, I think, you know, there's it's something new every day. We have interviews in the morning where we're cooking or we tackle tough topics and then we move to traffic. So I don't know. I think maybe there's something in our blood as traffic anchors that we kind of like to bounce around and do a lot of different things and always stay busy. So hopefully that's what I'm able to do. And finally, Anne-Marie, what is your biggest traffic pet peeve? Oh, gosh. What drives you most crazy 
What tra- about doing traffic? About, no, about no, no, no. About somebody, traffic. yeah, being in traffic. Somebody, you know, something always drives you nuts. Like, like me, it's it's the continuous right turns where somebody is not using the continuous right channel turn lane, and 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 they're stopping and waiting for the lane to clear. But the lane is already clear because it's just a continuous lane. That's right. That's that's insane. I think my <laughs> pet peeve in in Detroit is probably people who are just not paying attention, and it's the stop and go, stop and go, where they'll speed up, and so you're behind them, and you're okay. We're gonna go, and then they slam on their brakes, and that is definitely my pet peeve. Like, just ease into it. You know, everyone's trying to cut each other off and move over into lanes. We're all moving at 10 miles per hour. We're not going anywhere. I think if we all just, like, were a little bit kinder, we probably could get rid of that problem. Well, maybe it's all the cloud cover there in uh, southeast Michigan that makes people We've had a lot lately. Send some sunshine our way. Well, we will because we have 300 days of sunshine a year. That's how we can survive our winters. Sounds like you're bragging. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm not going to brag that we're going to be in the upper 60s here this weekend before the bottom drops out, and then we're going to have snow. I will say we've had a mild winter here, so I can't complain that much, but 60 degrees sounds really nice right now. (laughs) Yeah, it will be very nice. Anne-Marie LaFlame, the traffic anchor for WXYZ TV in Detroit, thanks so much for being here on the show and uh, sharing with us your story and uh, all the things that are going on in Metro Detroit. Thank you, Jason. I'm a huge fan, so this has been such a privilege. You are the best. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Appreciate it very much. And there she goes, Anne-Marie. That was very complimentary, and I appreciate Anne-Marie's kind words to me. Yeah, she doesn't know you that well. (laughs) (laughs) She knows me plenty. There you go. My reputation is uh, countrywide, worldwide, I think. So thank you, Anne-Marie. That was wonderful. And it, that was a perfect choice, I think, for our inaugural talking traffic. I could not agree more with that. I was looking through, so I, I, I have a list. I'm starting with, uh, she, she works for our, our TV station there in Detroit, uh, the Scripps TV station. Scripps Broadcasting now has, what, 50 or 60 TV stations around the country? That sounds about right. Something yeah. like that. We have a whole bunch. And we have some in some major markets. And so I think I'm going to start with, like we did with Anne-Marie. Uh, then I'll just continue to work maybe through the Scripps traffic anchors, and then we can branch out. Because I definitely want to talk to some of the folks in Atlanta, uh, maybe Mark Aram and uh, WSB in uh, Atlanta. and Because uh, Atlanta obviously has its own traffic set of issues. And uh, so it'd be interesting to talk to those folks who really do follow traffic. There's some really heavy-duty traffic people in Atlanta. Absolutely. Um, but I, I was as I was looking at the list... I mean, we have some stations in Montana. I, I don't think they... I, we have a station in Corpus Christi. There's plenty of traffic in Corpus Christi. I don't think we have a traffic person in Corpus Christi. Probably not enough to have a traffic person. That's true. We have uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee. They mm-hmm. might. They might not. Green Bay, we just need to find out how to get into Lambo, right? Uh, you pr- <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. You're probably right. Uh, but we'll, we'll search. I'll, I'll, you know what? There's uh, the, Nashville. We have a, there, uh, there's been a lot of growth in Nashville. Maybe we should go to Nashville next. Yes. Actually, uh, we should just go to Nashville. <laughs> Maybe we can get uh, scripts to pay for us to actually fly to these places. Love it. And then we can interview them live. Yes. I think that's even a better idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Chris Sepper. Chris, here is your notice. We want to go live to our other scripts stations and do interviews. <laughs> All of them. Ex- Expenses, all of them, paid by you. 
Uh, all right. So in what seems like a horrible timing, China has launched the world's fastest autonomous bullet train. Why? Okay. It took four years to complete. A little slower than what it takes for them to build an emergency hospital, which only takes two days. And now it's scheduled to take people between Beijing and the site of their Winter Olympics. I can't pronounce the name of the city, so I won't attempt it here. The new bullet trains are capable of traveling at 217 miles an hour without a driver. They're the fastest autonomous bullet trains right now in the world. The new line is supposed to connect the capital Beijing to those ski slopes 47 in 47 minutes it's only supposed to take so under an hour when usually the time would be about three hours Mm -hmm. cutting the time by a third which is or two-thirds i guess which is really quite remarkable that's a lot faster you could get a train there and back and there again in the time you were just getting one train there that's going to help out for all the folks that are going to and from the ski areas and to and from beijing for the olympics that are coming up this winter but next winter no, two winters. When's the next? The next summer, the Summer Olympics are uh, this summer in Tokyo, right? That's correct. And so we got two years to go. That's, yep. yep All right. Yep. So the high-speed railway also stops at another Olympic city, as well as seven other stations, including uh, the site of the most visited section of the Great Wall of China. Uh, as well as being driverless, the trains have a range of smart features, air quotes here, including 5G technology, Huawei, I'm sure, is involved with that. Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot about Huawei. Uh, intelligent lighting. What does that mean? I mean, the it, lights it, come on when you are in there, or it sitting means down. That or they what? chill you out. You oh. get on there, and it's, it knows what to set the lights to make it match. Oh, the it's mood. setting the mood. Yeah. Uh, and nearly three thousand sensors that collect real time data to detect any issues on the rail line as it's going, so it will know in real time uh, why you're crashing. Each seat is fitted with its own touchscreen control panel, wireless charging docks, and with the Olympics in mind, each carriage has uh, extra large storage capacity for luggage and sports equipment and the such, uh, and the dining car can be turned into a media center for journalists. Oh, wonderful. While you're on the train for 47 minutes. Is this thing still going to exist after the Olympics are over, or are they just going to tear it right back down and move it to somewhere that's more convenient? No, I think they're going to keep it okay. there. Um, but the problem with this train and probably, and I, I think most of the transit there in China, is that just all about, uh, just about all of it is shut down right now due to the, to the virus. Yep, yep. To the bat soup virus, as I'm calling it. Who eats bat soup? Uh, not Americans. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've seen videos of, uh, of streets in some of the towns there in China. Imagine having New York City and Philadelphia and Baltimore, and all all of them shut down right now, where you can't get in or out. That is debilitating. It is. Also, I wouldn't mind if they would stop letting people out of New York and Philadelphia. <laughs> how are they eating? How are they, how are they doing anything? How are they getting food in and out? And how, how are they surviving? That's a great question. Uh, how do they keep their sewer service working? I don't, I don't know any of these things. We have a guy here. Uh, his name is Ben, and Ben was actually just over there in China. He uh, took a trip to Beijing. He was then on a cruise that went up to Japan, and then I think he got to Shanghai. Um, yeah, so he's been in Beijing, Shanghai, 
Japan on a cruise, all the things that, that uh, are being canceled right now where you can't get there or get out without special permission. And he just got out, got back to the United States uh, days before they started closing everything. So I'm a little freaked out. A little freaked out that he um, he's infecting all of us. Yes, he is patient zero. He could be. Like he the, is. He is the 12th monkey. Confirmed the 12th monkey. Did you see that movie? Of course. I did I did know, you really? I know monkeys, hey! Yeah. hey <laughs> we, we finally got there. What are we at? Episode 160? We finally got there. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, he's, a, he's one of the 12 monkeys. Right there. He's the guy releasing okay. the virus at the airport. There it spreads everywhere around the world. But in our case, here at the TV station. Yep. Yep. It was nice knowing you. I'm a little freaked out. Mm-hmm. A little bit. I'm, I'm just a little bit. It's going to be okay. All right. Well, if this is the last time we we're talking, then then uh, I, I, this was a great show. Great show. Great show. A plus. I'll crack a Corona for the coronavirus. <laughs> it's a little different than the tequila virus. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> it's a little mellower in the morning. <laughs> Thanks again for being here. Thanks again for listening. If you want to get a hold of us, you can write to us uh, at uh, Driving You Crazy Podcast at gmail.com. Of course, the phone number is 303-832-0217. I had somebody leave me a voicemail the other day, but it didn't. Res- uh, it wasn't anything about the show. It was actually about an intersection out to the east side of town that I'm going to have to answer him about. But um, it. Uh, but if you would like to leave us a voicemail, or even hate mail, or any kind of uh, just just ramble talking, whatever, 303-832-0217, that is the phone number. And for everybody who's downloading us on iTunes, you want to subscribe, you want to rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. We appreciate you. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Yes, sir. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. I'm pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.